Hello and welcome to Subcultured, a podcast exploring subcultures from around the world. I'm your host and spooky spectre of the night, Jake Brennan, and I'm joined today by fellow ectoplasmic beings, Joanna Graham. Boo! Jacob Abbott. Ghost Hunter, I hardly know her. And Ben Hyman's. I stepped in ectoplasm again. <laughs> Guys, hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. If you had to be a fictional ghost hunter, who would you be? Ben. Oh, why are you going for me first? Fictional <laughs> ghost hunter. I think I'd have to be Bill Murray in Ghostbusters. Not God the character he plays, actually Bill Murray himself. Because he's just the best. <laughs> Who else had Bill Murray? I think probably everyone. No. Wow. I couldn't oh. think of any ghost hunters that I like. <laughs> oh, wow. Is that some shade being thrown at Bill Murray there? Yeah, I don't <sighs> like Bill Murray. Fuck <sighs> Bill Murray. Oh! Sorry, I don't like Bill Murray. Hitting this episode off with some controversy. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, though, who, who, who would you be then? I don't know. I can't think of any ghost hunters that I like. They're all shit. Oh, I'm about to blow out the water with mine, but I need to hear <laughs> Jacob's first. Oh, I forgot to put my uh, Derek Akora, the late great Derek Akora. I said fictional, or does he not actually? Well, exist? I mean, we, we, there's some things to talk about there. Jake. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, despite all you guys, the best and only true ghost hunter in the world is Shaggy Doo, and anyone who says otherwise surely don't know Mystery Inc. and their impeccable track record of ghost hunting. Wait a second, you had the full reign of Mystery Inc. and you didn't pick Scrappy. Or Daphne. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but Shaggy's an, a, a sort of corporeal super being. That's true. Where did that meme come from? <laughs> I don't understand Go. it, but I enjoy it. It's the ghostly meme we all need. Anyway, speaking of ghostly memes, today's episode, if you haven't guessed already from the title, is indeed about ghost hunting. But don't take my word for it, because Ben, you are our resident expert. I really think we should stop using the word expert, but okay, I'll take this on. (laughs) Not after that email. (laughs) Not after that email. So, from my little bit of gathering, I found out that Ghostbusters has lied to us. Uh, Ghost hunting is actually the business of just investigating paranormal activity um, locations. They report the findings and, you know, can kind of confirm or deny if there's any ghosts there. They don't actually remove the ghosts or antagonize them in any way in most cases. Which sounds a lot less exciting, but I suppose, you know, most of Ghostbusters of film was them trying to figure out where the ghosts are and who to call, as far as I remember. (laughs) Yeah. They quite often also uh, assist this investigatory work with, you know, some really high-tech gizmos and gadgets that are designed to expand the limited perceptions of our feeble living bodies into the world of the ghosts. Ghost realm for those of us who uh, grew up in the uh, sort of 90s and uh, watched a bit of Danny Phantom there. It's a, it's a Ooh, good cartoon. Very good cartoon. Very underrated. They'll also spend a lot of time with, you know, documents on the location and eyewitness investigation and interviews to really figure out what went on and why the ghosts are there. Mm. And as you mentioned, we've said ghost hunter a lot because it's the cool term the kids use, but they prefer to go by paranormal investigator. Which I kind of understand. It's it's a broader and more professional term. You say ghost hunter, and it's like, mm. oh, ghosts, you know, people don't even know if ghosts exist and you're hunting them. Whereas paranormal investigations, it's like the UFO 
of the ghost world. Like, you know, you can say UFO and it actually means it's just unidentified. Yeah. You're not mm. claiming that aliens mm. exist and, and, you know, you're not, you know, one of those whack jobs. It'd be like saying alien hunters versus UFO spotters. Right. Aliens. Yeah. Let's not go back to that one, though. Let's not go back to ancient <laughs> aliens. That were fun. So you mentioned that there are instruments that are better than my inferior, quote-unquote, abilities to spot spooky things in the night. What particularly are these sort of gadgets and gizmos people use? There's a lot of really interesting things you can use. And a lot of the time, it's um, looking at electronic voice phenomenon, or EVP. And the idea behind this is, in the background noises of all your electronic recordings, there's bits of static. And if you tamper with this static enough, you uh, might even be able to decipher some voices in there, you know, whispering you secrets of the other side. I don't know if Jacob's ever heard any of these ghostly voices when editing. Um, I'm pretty sure <laughs> that there's some pretty horrendous spirits following me around for, uh, you know, all the meats I've eaten. Don't know, don't know if animal ghosts are a thing, but animal ghosts definitely should be a thing. <laughs> this entire podcast is cursed, so there's a couple of whispers in there. Oh yeah, if we're not summoning some sort of horrific evil by this point, then, you know... I mean, the first episode was Vore, so... Yeah, they're designed to pick up um, all sorts of things, and, you know, some people try to explain it away as, we as humans have an inbuilt predisposition to try and see patterns in chaos, but a lot mm. of people claim that, you know, it's not just ghosts, it's aliens, it's demons, anything that wants to communicate in a way that we humans shouldn't be able to hear. They just use a frequency we can't see, and... Um, and there you go. It's it's, it's just like uh, you know when your parents talk in in code by spelling letters out, thinking you can't <laughs> actually understand what uh, what they mean. Ixnay who say what they exactly. Yeah. So as a subculture, how big is you know a people that sort of look for ghosts? Well, it's difficult to say really because at any point anyone could decide to go and look for a ghost. We've got some statistics here, as you do. So, according to a 2019 poll, 45% of Americans believe that ghosts and demons exist. And, you know, it's, it's a bit of a an odd comparison there that ghosts and demons are the same thing. Because <laughs> yeah. some circles will probably say there's quite a bit difference there, so I don't know how much we can trust that figure. Obviously, with religion and stuff, some people think demons exist, ghosts don't exist, and some people classify ghosts and demons. There's a whole lot of crossover there. We could do a Venn diagram. But this is an audio format, so you wouldn't be able to see it. I mean, Jesus, 45% a lot of people. So in the UK, we are seeing similar statistics, though. There was a UK poll, which is as many as three in five people claim to have seen ghosts specifically at some point. And with the, you know, if, if you take that and extrapolate it to the population of the UK, it's about 39 million people. Jesus. So many. I know, there's, a, there's lot. a lot. Okay, so I have to ask... Has anyone on this podcast seen a ghost? There's four people, so that gives us a pretty good chance on a three in five. Oh, I've got two stories here. So let's start with the kind of maybe one. So I suffer from that lovely thing called sleep paralysis, which for people not in the know is basically you wake up in the night and you see horrendously terrifying things and your body stops itself from doing anything. And it's the worst. But it does make me wonder, is the big, tall, dark, scary man stood in the corner of the room just a ghost? Maybe he's a friendly pal. Have you ever tried talking to him? No, past sleep paralysis means you literally cannot move. What does he look like? Hmm, just a big, tall, dark figure. He might even take offence to me, because really, if I'm just sat there looking at him, it could just be like a really awkward standoff. I might be the dick in the situation. Yeah, have you considered <laughs> that you're in his bed? Oh! oh! 
Maybe it's yours in his bed. I mean, I hear one of the things that's quite common with sleep paralysis is that you see the vision of them sitting on your chest. So, Jake, is dummy fit ghost boy sitting on you while you sleep? (laughs) Is he getting off on that? No, he's fucking in the corner, just chilling by the door. Oh, maybe he's shy. Did he follow you to your new house? No, I don't... um, Well, I mean, I've not particularly... I'm sure... I generally thought I did see someone go down the stairs, because my bed... Basically, he's in a bit of a lofty kind of area. We've got a stairway that goes up, so you're facing the stairway. Mm. And I'm sure in the first day, I, I might have seen someone walk down it. But it is a three-year-old house, so I'm not really sure who recently would have died. But it doesn't necessarily mean someone who died in the house. It could have been ooh. someone who died before the house was built. Ooh, and who just died ooh. on that plot of land. Well, I hope he likes his new home as much as I do. But yeah, that's my one story. My second one is a little bit more exciting. This one actually has a name. So back in the day, when I used to live at Manchester, I used to live in an old mill. Now, this old mill has been around for donkey's years. It's like one of the oldest buildings in Manchester that have been renovated to flats. Now, one day, I'm walking down the stairway, which is kind of very sort of bit spooky, not really, it's just sort of kind of a grubby looking stairway. But I'm walking down, I notice this clay doll on a little stand, just sort of at the bottom of the stairs. And it's horrifying. You know, it's kind of like all clay dolls. They're just terrifying in their own right. I think nothing of it. I walk on. Next day, Clay the Gold's not there. Brilliant. Someone must have taken it and moved it away. Turn the corner. There it is on a stand right in front of my face on like this little sort of ledge. I freak out a little bit. Now, this is a theme that continues for about a month of people moving it or it moving itself to the point where I get kind of climatized to it. And I give her the name Julie. And then I think after a while, it became a bit of a weird tradition to kind of like, well, morning, Julie, as she was sort of somewhere new. I asked Mother Half if whether or not we could take Julie with us to our new home in which she said, not on your life, you bastard. <laughs> so I can only imagine Julie still there, doll haunting whoever's still in that building. Now, the question is, do you think it was paranormal or do you think someone was just moving it every day as a joke? I think someone was moving it, but my heart wants it to be paranormal. (laughs) I get you, I get you. See, I've got some more traditional stories to go on. And now this isn't to say that I believe in ghosts or anything, but the house I grew up in was built in 18-something, like 1870, 1890. It's a very old house. And before we moved in, we had been told of ghosts in the house by the next-door neighbour. Um, and the way they tell it was when they first moved into the house next door, there was a lonely old woman living in the house. And mm-hmm. one day they'd not seen her for um, for a little while, like out and about like she normally would be. And so they go and knock on the door and they don't get a response. And so being nosy neighbours where they are, she peeks through the letterbox to see if she can see anything or just shout through to, to do a little bit of a welfare check. Nice mm-hmm. neighbourly um, working. And she swears that when she opened the letterbox, she saw the um, deceased husband of the woman telling her to come inside the house. Ooh. And it turned out that the, uh, the woman had slipped and fallen and injured herself and was unable to uh, move. And she reckons the, the deceased husband had materialised to provide assistance. Oh, Which in itself is a, is a nice. nice little nice little old story you get, you know, when you move into a new house. Now, my personal experience with the house, it was quite a big house, and my bedroom was at the back, and there was no one else that stayed at the back of the house. It was just me. Everyone else was... Mm. You had to go, like, along a hallway, across the stairs, and down a further hallway, and that's where all of the bedrooms were. But I was next to the bathroom, 
And one thing I noticed on multiple occasions was late at night, if I got up and went to a bathroom, the light switch that was outside the bathroom for the hallway would just start flicking Ooh. on and off. And it wasn't it wasn't even like, a, oh, I, I can see the light. Under the there was an audible click as the light switch flicked on and off. Never could explain it. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was maybe a squirrel in the wall or or <laughs> something like that, but it very much sounded. And again, it wasn't a one-off. This happened probably double digits numbers of times while I lived there. And it was pretty terrifying because it was always at like three or four in the morning. Wow. Ben, can I, can I bust your ghost as it were? Oh. So I had this exact same issue in my old set of flats and it would always be at one o'clock to two o'clock. I would hear the whole click, click, an actual clicking sound. Fuse boxes do this automatically when they're tripping, so I don't know whether or not either a ghost is making sure your fuse box is okay, or your fuse box is just fucked. Well, it was nowhere near the fuse box, it was specifically the light switch clicking, and the fact that it happened on and off over the 18 years I lived in that house, hmm, don't know. So we're in firm agreement, the ghost was just checking the switch was it's, working. It's entirely right? possible, yeah. I think his name was Albert, the old man that passed away. <laughs> he may have been an electrician, I'm not sure. I never met the guy, he died before we moved in. And uh, he wasn't very conversational. So we've, you know, we've all got our personal experiences, so what encourages people to actually do this? So I think there's possibly a few really good reasons why people might get into ghost hunting. And the first one, that we've already kind of talked about, is personal experiences. Oh. Like maybe you've, you've been through something and it's like, oh that was kind of interesting, I want to know more. But there's also some other really good ones. There's something called spectrophilia, which we'll probably get into a little bit later. Yeah! Spectrophilia! Spectrophilia! I mean, I'm, I'm sure <laughs> for those in our audience who can probably figure out what that word means from its components, you've got spectro, Fuck you've got the philia. Ghost. There's definitely, you know, possibly a motivation for some people there. And then, of course, I looked at the profit side of things. Can you make money being a ghost hunter? And the answer is not really, allegedly. Oh. What? No, you totally I know, right? can. Most, most ghost hunters apparently frown upon the idea of charging people for doing their research. All they charge oh. is their travel expenses. So if you want to get a ghost hunter out, just put them up in a hotel. They'll come and they won't charge you exorbitant fees. You know what? Fees. That's oh. actually really nice because I must admit, I had a bit of prejudice coming into this episode, which was like, all ghost hunters are taking the piss and they're just taking advantage of vulnerable people. I think mm. that's why. I think the ones that genuinely do it for research, they don't try and make money off it specifically to try and avoid that stereotype of, oh, you're just trying to scam us. Because yeah. like, that's the thing. You've got some like, really vulnerable people who are like very emotionally potentially unstable. They've had loved ones that have died probably very young. And it just seems really gross to me to like take advantage mm. and charge people money for something that is essentially a lie. Like even if you yeah. believe in ghosts, I personally don't. So to me, it's a scam. But like, yeah, that's nice if you're not even charging money because yeah, you shouldn't really. There's definitely a history of con men who can say vague things, pick out audiences, listen in, and then use that to finance things. So it's very wholesome mm. to think there are you know the industry, the subculture is fighting against it. So the preferred methods of profit that I've seen, they come from quite legitimate things, actually, I think. So providing ghost tours at specific locations. Cool. So that's I'd where people knowingly sign up and go on ghost tours. You know, that sounds all legit above board. Marketing. So this is where they do charge their ghost hunting expertise, but specifically for a business. So like you have a hotel that's trying to go down the route of, oh, we want to be a haunted hotel. Okay, okay. Uh... Wow, it's like Nathan Fielder. Exactly. <laughs> 
so yeah, they might work with businesses for a sort of contract to say, we're going to actually charge you for this because we're not doing it for good of our research. We're doing it because you want to be haunted and you're seeing yeah. a business yeah. opportunity. You're kind of providing there. more of a service. There's, there's, yeah, there's a bit of a service thing going on there. Yeah, it's like us being here gives you some legitimacy of how spooky you are. Exactly. Now there is obviously the darker side of it, which is the people who offer services that are kind of frowned upon, like, oh, we'll rid your home of this ghost that's been terrifying your family for a small fee. Mm. Uh, but that's very much meant to be few and far between that honestly doesn't bother me as much as though people who are like yeah i will communicate with your dead loved one if you pay me money because that's just so gross to me but like if you want someone if you want the peace of mind of feeling like your house is ghost free i kind of feel you should be allowed to charge money for that like that's okay it's kind of like lottery ticket you know the result of it but it makes you feel better yeah and that's the important thing I did find a really great quote from a professional ghost hunter. It was part of an interview, and they're sort of saying, um, on one of your websites, you recommend using mediums and psychics with cautions. Is that because you believe it's impossible to communicate with the dead? They responded with, I've worked with psychics that have blown my mind away, but I've also worked with people who believe they are psychic, and actually they're about as psychic as a rock. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's pretty great. Hey, now, we don't know. That's prejudice against rocks. Rocks might be the most powerful (laughs) psychics on our known Earth. Well, I mean, the Earth is a rock, so I think let's not fucking start with rocks, guys. It's already kicking our ass as much as it is. (laughs) There's a lot of social behind it as well. How do you mean? So there's actually big get-togethers between ghost hunters where they share stories, they talk about things. They have big social gatherings. I've got a really strong community. They'll work together on different research projects. So actually, if you are interested in it, it's really good to get into that society where you can talk to like-minded people. What kind of things do they research? This is what they call it. When they go on ghost hunts, they're performing research. They're trying to definitively prove the existence Mm. of ghosts. Because I feel like that's a very difficult job to do when it's been like, there is no evidence that ghosts exist. Mm. Well, it is, and that's why they call it research, is because they're constantly gathering evidence to try and finally say, here it is, here's the definitive proof, mm. we've done it, guys. Because like, when I was a kid, I was friends with this girl who like grew up in this massive haunted house. It was like this old manor that's been around since like the 1400s. And I went into one of the old rooms that like no one ever went into, and I swear I saw a ghost. But to this day, I don't believe in ghosts. I just, I'm like, Mm. I've convinced myself that I imagined it or that it was a trick of the light or something like that. So like, I'm always really fascinated by people who like, do actually, how do you not just convince yourself that you've made it up? (laughs) Exactly. It's it's Mm. difficult, isn't it? I mean, again, the professional says it's very easy to let your imagination take over. Mm. And that kind of goes both ways of. Some people take it and their imagination will go about it's definitely a ghost. And some people take something that's hard to explain and go, well, my imagination come with a million ways, so it's, it's probably mm. nothing. I mean, yeah. I personally don't think I believe in ghosts, but that light switch, man, that was, yeah. that was something. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, I want to say Isaac Newton, but do not quote me on this. This is not a subcultured, guaranteed fact. Didn't a famous smart person say that discovery takes a sense of imagination? Probably. More than likely. I mean, it does. I think even with our research, we could pretty much say that. But it also takes a lot of patience. That's something else a professional goes on to is that currently they're seeing a lot of, and they use the word millennial, millennial Ooh. ghost hunters coming into the field, Millennials unwilling to put in the time. I know, I'm, right? I'm 30 in two months, and I'm considered a young millennial. Jesus. <laughs> Jeez. You're a millennial. Oh, I love how that conversation has found its way into this subculture. <laughs> that actually brings me on to my next question. So, like, 
who are these people? Because when I'm thinking ghost hunters, you know, I'm thinking priests with robes and, and, and crosses. I'm thinking Jack and Dean from Supernatural. I'm thinking Mystery Inc. You know, what are these people like? Really, it comes down to it can be anyone. This is the wonderful thing about ghost hunting or paranormal investigating. It's incredibly easy to start. I mean, all you have to do is look up haunted locations near you. Pretty much every town I've ever been to has a haunted location of some sort. And all you got to do to become a paranormal investigator is go there and investigate. You know, write some notes, take a camera if you have one. But you don't need any fancy equipment. All you really need to do is go and have a bit of patience, spend some time there, see if you see anything. Me and Kevin were saying, literally before I sat down to record this, we were like, wow, we could actually be, probably make a good career being paranormal investigators, because like we kind of look like we'd be the type. <laughs> like, you can just imagine it, can't you? Like We're both like a, a weird, slightly weird-looking couple. Which one of you <laughs> would be the one to get possessed? Me. Oh, definitely Because you. Kevin's the host, obviously, so it's got to yeah. be me. He's got a moustache. Ghosts do not possess people with moustaches. Yeah, that's exactly true, yeah. It takes away the threatening, scary aura. <laughs> Though I was going to say, I'm definitely sure this is the whole millennial issue they're probably having. It's like, oh, she's coming here with a, oh, we look the parts, trying to, to hunt our ghosts. No. I don't know why they're from Somerset. <laughs> I was going to say Yorkshire. <laughs> That's my kind of old boomer. <laughs> wow. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm Randy for some ghosts. So I'm going to pull over the bus. We're going to have a piss break. Do the whole you know, thing, and uh, we'll come back. How's that all sound? Yeah, that sounds good. I'm pretty sure yeah. this uh, this petrol station was built on an ancient Indian burial ground, so it should well, be haunted as fuck. Yes! Oh, that was a good little stop, wasn't it? Good piss, everyone? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, solid. A good seven. My EMF reader was going off. The scales were in there. Oh, really? Yeah. I was pissing and yawning ghosts all over the place. It was wild. How come no one ever talks about getting visited by a ghost while they're like peeing or pooing? Hmm. Because ghosts don't want to see that. Really? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Do you want to show them, Joe? I mean, <laughs> you look, some people are into that. Why not some ghosts? <laughs> to be fair, I mean, my story earlier. I was on the toilet when the light switch started going, so Ooh. that's, you know, but it wasn't in the room with me, it was just outside the door. I, I don't know what was going on. Maybe he wanted to help you go. Maybe. Mm. Where do people go ghost hunting? Best thing to do, load up Google, type in haunted stuff near you. There's millions of places you can go to try it. I do have, in the research notes here, there's one from the National Rail about most haunted places you can visit. And that's just the train service going, yeah, ghosts are about, let's have a look. <laughs> someone from virgin rail or rip yeah um just just been like oh some some scary ghosts down that end yeah i think my favorite one on the list was talking about the lost city of dunwich in suffolk the, what i know right i never had it's That's a village that has just been completely reclaimed by the sea and apparently when you stand on the coast you can still hear the bells ringing Oh, oh my god, uh, that's so cool! Yeah, if you've ever read any H.P. Lovecraft. That's where he set his stuff, isn't it, Dunwich? Oh, that's quite cool. We actually, on saying that, we do have a place like that around where I live, which is known as Body Beach, because um, uh. it, there used to be an old town there, but obviously as the cliffs have eroded, it's basically gone. But now the churchyard is going, and so occasionally old skeletons fall down the cliff onto the beach. 
Oh, I was going to say, was it called Body Beach before or after? After. This? So, so as it erodes through the old ancient graveyards, obviously the coffins are gone, but the bones are still there. So they tumble down the cliff and end up on the beach. Oh, wow. And so occasionally, if you go to the little local museum, someone would have found a skull and left it on the porch. That is a little bit horrifying. I was going to say, there's a place like that up north as well. You've got the Lady Bower Reservoir, which is quite famous for a number of reasons. But there's actually a lost village underneath that, because when they built the dam, they flooded the place and moved everyone out of this and just let the water take it. And yeah, when the water levels are real low, apparently you used to be able to see the, uh, the church tower still poking out the water. Wow. But they knocked it down because people kept swimming out to it and it was dangerous. Oh. But there's no skeletons as far as I'm aware, so that really steps up a notch on the, on the spooky scale. Just imagine if you're, you're a ghost, right? And you've been haunting this place for a while. First, they flood it. That's a bit shit. I mean, there's going to be no fun there. Why can't ghosts survive underwater? I imagine so. I mean, they don't need to breathe. They walk through stuff. I imagine... <gasps> can ghosts survive in space? Why not? I think they can survive anywhere. They're ghosts. But the real thing to take away from that is it really doesn't matter where you are, you'll be able to start ghost hunting. Just have a Google, see what you can find. Um, loads of stuff. And really, the last thing to sort of talk about on how you start it is what happens if you want to go from being a uh, just a, a hobby ghost hunter to being something a bit more professional? So from millennial to... Boom. Exactly. Well, I discovered you can actually get a diploma in ghost hunting from the Open College Ooh. in the UK. Wow. Uh, the course costs you £225, which I think Bargain. is quite reasonable. The description of this is, This distant learning course is an ideal and practical guide to ghost hunting and exploring haunted houses. A suitable course for anyone wishing to set up and organise your own ghost hunting exercise, providing an essential list of must-haves in the way of investigative equipment, step-by-step guide on ideal locations is provided. How long does it take? I don't know on the actual time frame, but I imagine probably not that long, right? Surely. <laughs> Guys, I foresee a Patreon tier. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was getting certificates. <laughs> it's a six-month home study. In six months, we could have ghost hunting diplomas. Yes. Let's definitely do that. Fuck it. If we get a Patreon up to a certain level, we're definitely doing this. Because I want this on my goddamn CV on my LinkedIn. (laughs) And you'll learn all about things like the history of ghost hunting, which is actually much more recent than you would think. It only really sort of took off, you know, 1830s onwards. What? I know, right? It, It sort of started with this spiritualist movement. But surely that's just in, like, Western culture. That is very much Western culture, but I feel like that is a lot of what ghost hunting is. It's, it's a very Western culture type thing. When you start going like over to... in Africa, there's lots of, like, myths and stuff about, like, ghosts and things like that, but they're very different from the type of ghosts They treat it very about. differently, too. Yeah. Like, yeah, a lot of yeah. it is very much more spiritual and religion-based, yeah. you know, worshipping the spirits, whereas... Mm. Uh, Typical Westerners, we grab our belt and our whip and we go, we're going to find those ghosts and we're going to document it and prove it and become famous. Why is it, do you think, that all ghosts are Victorian? Mm. Never see a caveman ghost. Again, it's it's probably something to do with the time period it started and the the whole ghost mythos in Western culture. One of the really famous cases I, I found was this William H. Mumler guy who was one of the pioneers of ghost photography, who kind of discovered it accidentally. What he'd gone and done was he'd taken a picture, and then when he'd gone to process it, he'd... Again, I don't know a huge deal about how old-timey photographs are processed, but I know there's some kind of dipping it in a liquid. And apparently he'd overlap them accidentally or something like that. And so when he took out the final picture, it had the remnants of the previous picture still printed on it in the background in a sort of a ghostly vision. 
Now that's really interesting because I watched a program when I was like 10 that was like, you can see if ghosts are in your house by putting down a cassette player and recording it like while you sleep. And I did that. And then I played it back to me and my brother who was like six at the time. And like we both had nightmares because we heard the voice of my dead grandpa. What? talking God. through it where was this when we were talking about our ghost experiences it, well, i actually have a couple of ghost experiences <laughs> but it turned out that the reason that had happened was because when you record over a cassette tape you can actually sometimes still hear the original recording and it was a cassette that was owned by him where he used to dictate some of his own like papers and stuff so that's why we could hear his voice but like how fucking creepy is that like it was terrifying my brother was so scared of ghosts for like 10 years after that Jesus, don't blame me, that's, that's terrifying. Yeah, it is it? pretty scary. It's interesting that you bring up cassette tapes, because that's basically what Willy Mumler did. He kind of pioneered that people don't really understand this technology and how it works, so he ended up exploiting it, which, you know, very disagreeable. So he knew fully well, because he knew the process, what he'd done and how he'd created it. But as a prank, because it's always just a prank, bro, he gave this picture away to his friend who was a spiritualist. I went, took a picture of a ghost accidentally, what do you think? Yeah. And uh, convinced him of it. Mm. So for a bit of banter, it started as a, as a bit of banter, and then it went horribly wrong as he started to gain sort of notoriety through this picture. And he thought he'll make a quick buck off this, and so he started doing more and ah. more and more. I believe there's a famous one that he did. I think it was him that did it, where he took a picture of Abraham Lincoln's wife with Abraham Lincoln in the background <laughs> to, uh, after he had Easy died. Easy money. <laughs> In fact, I've got a uh, copy of that picture here. Oh, that's very good. Especially uh, at the time, I could exactly. see people really believing yeah. that. Now, it's believed the way he did some of this was actually quite mischievous, was he was potentially breaking into people's houses and stealing <laughs> their photographs to create these pictures. It very much does sound like a prank gone horribly wrong after a bit of money came into it. In fact, it got so bad that eventually he was taken to court and one of the people that testified against him was none other than P.T. Barnum, the uh, oh, wow. the good old uh, showman, who we, we all know. Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Not really Hugh Jackman. Oh. If, you, if you look at an actual picture of P.T. Barnum, it looks kind of like someone's tried to carve Hugh Jackman out of a potato based on just a poor <laughs> description of Hugh Jackman. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, that's really upsetting to look at that when you're expecting Hugh Jackman. Like, I'm not going to call anyone ugly, but when you're just expecting Hugh... It's like when you drink, like, a cup of coffee... And then you're expecting it to be something that's not coffee or something. It's like, oh, yeah, what's yeah. that? <laughs> Dan, he just looks so miserable. He looks like someone from the 1800s. He looks like someone who only ever said the words, hmm, <laughs> or bar humbug. <laughs> bar humbug. But yeah, he's, he's very much attributed with the idea that if you take a technology that people don't really understand, it's very easy to manipulate it to be paranormal because you can pick up things that people don't know how to explain. Now, doesn't that still happen today? Because I am Facebook friends with this old geezer who believes in ghosts. And I might be a bit harsh about him because I don't like him. I'm not going to say, <laughs> say his name, but he's not a very nice man. Mm. And he believes in some mm. wacky shit, including he thinks that Nazis were aliens. Um, okay. Oh, this sounds fun. I already hate him for that. But he also believes in orbs. And he uses any orb in a photograph as like, evidence that ghosts exist. Question. What's an orb? So, an orb. You want to know what an orb is? Um, yes, please tell us. When you say orb, I assume you're referring to spheres of translucent light, which are often Correct. white or pastel coloured, which yeah. appear in photographs. They look like lens flare. Yeah. 
Some people try and explain it away scientifically by saying, when you have flash photography and there's dust in the air, if you catch the dust just right, it's going to provide a little bit of lens throw as the light reflects back mm. on the camera. That sounds reasonable. Yeah, but at the same time, could be a ghost. Could just be a ghost. So is there any evidence? No one can definitively explain it one way or the other, because obviously, if it is just dust, how are you supposed to prove it was dust in that exact spot at that exact time on a picture Ooh. that's already been taken? You can't. You can say it was a dusty environment. But you can say that there's dust everywhere and people will believe you. But if you say there's ghosts everywhere, people will probably want evidence and more evidence than a picture of some dust. Mm. Well, I mean, but have you provided me evidence that there's dust in that particular because spot at that particular time? There's dust everywhere all the time. That's what dust is. But if there's dust everywhere all the time, then how can we take pictures without it looking like a fireworks show, Joe? It's like those Loch Ness <laughs> monster photos. Everyone's all look at the big blurry one. But the real one, we're like, well, that's a fun little clip from fucking BBC's documentary of when dinosaurs walk the so earth. So how come all ghosts aren't orbs? Because what if I want to be an orb when I die? It just depends what kind of ghost you pick of a character selection. I want to be a hot ghost. <laughs> you want to be a hot ghost? I want to be a sexy ghost. Sexy ghost. You don't want to be one of those women in white? No, I'll wear something sexier, like red. That, red that's dress. something you don't really hear a great deal about, is the, uh, the BDSM ghost. I'm sure they must be about, but probably because Ooh. if you find yourself in a location with a BDSM ghost, maybe you keep it on the down low just for you. Yeah. Listeners out there, if you have yourself a BDSM ghost in your house, let us know about it. We want to come and interview, take some pictures. But it's got to have a bit of a bad rep if that's the opener of you as a ghost. It's like, I'm going to tie you up. That's like the start of a horror film. It's like sexy sleep paralysis, Jake. Think of it that way. It doesn't work like that, but okay. I mean, it doesn't work like that for you because you don't have a BDSM ghost. You've just got a regular spooky ghost. Now, imagine the, the person stood in the corner of your room was a sexy ghost all dressed up. That'd be a different experience, hmm. wouldn't it? I mean, they'd all be in black, so I can't see them. But at the same time, my fear is from me. That's my deal I've got to deal with. They're just The standing. other thing to consider, Jake, was would, would you be that fearful in front of a living BDSM person? If you woke up no. and someone was in your room preparing to dominate oh. you? Would there be fear? Mm. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I mean, a stranger, yes. I think I'd be more scared mm. of that than of a ghost. Yeah, the ghost, I'd be like, oh, you're just here doing your thing. Whilst there's like, you're a stranger in my home, please leave. Ah. So, um, spectrophilia. Yay! Ghost penis! Go sex, go sex, go sex, go sex. Go sex. Go sex. <laughs> 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 spectrophilia. It is classified as both a phenomenon and a fetish. You can be into spectrophilia, but also spectrophilia can be a thing that just happens. And it can happen without your consent. Yes, which is oh. an interesting oh. yeah, interesting thing to consider. There's some fairly famous examples of it. So you've got um, Natasha Blasik here, who claimed on a live TV show to have had sex with two ghosts. Wow, at the same time? Wow. Not at the same time, two Ghost different reason? times. About a month apart. The interesting thing here was she worked on the film Paranormal 2. Wow. So she had that sort of link in. It doesn't Ooh, say whether spooky. or not this was consensual, which is a bit of a weird thing to sort of consider. But what she does say is that it was pretty good both times. Yeah, that was I was going to ask. Now, couldn't that just be wet dreams? Well, so they did query her on this, and she was, she was adamant that there was a difference, that it, it felt like full-on penetrative sex but there was nobody there that's the thing and i've heard or at least what i've read about spectrophilia seems that it's actually quite tied quite closely to sleep paralysis in that <laughs> apparently like you're much more likely to experience spectrophilia 
and a sexual encounter with a ghost, if you have sleep paralysis, you're like 35% more likely to experience So that. what you're saying is, I wasn't that far off when I said Jake's BDSM sleep paralysis Genuinely. was possibly a thing. Yeah, honestly. Mm. Of all of us, Jake's the most likely to experience sex with a ghost. Congratulations. Well, unfortunately, out of all of us, I have not. So I Aww. want to know what I'm doing right, wrong. Right, so I've actually found an article that's about Lucy Liu, who says that she's had sex with a ghost. So Lucy Liu said that she had a very pleasurable experience having sex with a ghost, and it made her orgasm. Kesha Ah. similarly had a a nice experience having sex with a ghost, and they said it was a bit like sleep paralysis in that you are fully awake, like you're definitely conscious, but you just you're you're lying there and you have to be still. You can't really move. It feels like someone's sitting on your chest, or like you feel like a a heavy weight on you, like a body lying on you, or in you. And I Mm. read about this other woman. I think her name was. Anne Nicole Smith, she's an actress who apparently mm-hmm. also had sex with a ghost that she thought was her boyfriend and it turned out not to be her boyfriend. And she said at first it was really scary and it was like rape, like ghost rape. And then she was like kind of persuaded herself to get into it and she like started like pretending she was masturbating and then like then she kind of came through it. So Jake, if you find yourself suffering from sleep paralysis, just try mm. and jerk off. Apparently that's how you turn it into ghost sex. <laughs> Some people definitely experience it more as well. Yeah. Mm. There's this woman here I've just posted a uh, link to who has had sex with over 20 ghosts and has actually wow. decided to get engaged to one of them. Oh, that's nice. That seems like bragging to me. Yeah, it is. Like, some <laughs> of us can't even get one ghost, and there she is with 20 yeah, ghosts. exactly, exactly. So it's just fucking just eating up all the premium ghostly shag. From what I'm understanding from this article, this is her second time talking about it, because the first time she came on to talk about it, she'd said that she had cheated on her fiancé with a ghost, and has since got on to have 20 supernatural affairs, which I believe has led for her to break up with her fiancé and get engaged to one of the ghosts. Wow. Oh. Oh. I know none of us are legal experts here, but how do you get engaged to a spectral figure? She says that he couldn't go down on one knee because he's got no knees. <laughs> Legitimately said that. They went to a secluded place and it was the first time he heard her voice. So it's not just for sex. There's some communication mm-hmm. there as well, at least. Mm-hmm. And I'm just looking for where she said it, but she said that it was a deep and sexy and real voice. She also said that she had sex with him on a plane, the ghost. Oh. So basically it comes down to, can you prove the ghost is consenting? Because if you're marrying mm. it, and you're claiming it's a sentient entity, then Mm. I suppose it needs to provide some form of consent. So I don't know if your word of mouth will do it, or whether that's one of the points you have to hire the paranormal investigators to come in and, I suppose, conduct some kind of wedding interview. Hmm, that's a point. Because, I mean, I think surely it's not consensual we're just fucking summoning them out of nowhere. Like, hey, Michael, come here, do a trick, speak through me. If D&D's anything to go by, the spirit has to be willing to come, so... Ah, uh, yes, D&D, the exact science. Do ghosts ejaculate? Ectoplasm, surely. Ectoplasm! Hey. Ectoplasm. Um, and one of the things that um, our friend Amethyst, who is now engaged with Spirit, says is that she's hoping to start a family with him. So ghost children. Yeah, I don't quite know how that would oh, work. They'd be like a superhero. I would like to have sex with a ghost. I think. Same. I think. If it was good at it, you know, I wouldn't want to have sex with a ghost that was kind of like, oh, I don't know why I'm supposed to touch you, like, where's the clitoris? Oh, I don't know what I'm mm. doing. And it just sticks his dick in and just comes immediately. Like, I'm not going to have sex with that type of ghost. But like mm. a ghost that eats my pussy, yeah, I'd, I'd go down for that. Wouldn't that be very cold? Aren't ghosts like... They always say That's like, true. yeah, cold, cold spots, things like that. I wouldn't like that. For someone who's lost many, many 
probably years of sleep in his life thanks to ghosts just popping up. I think I'm owed it. Yeah, I think if anyone is, you are. <laughs> Good guy Jake yeah. thinks we go so him sex. Oh, look at this. <laughs> Call out. We got him. Ben, don't spin this in a negative light for me, please. <laughs> I just want to get to know my dark passenger gonna call him steve i just want to know get to know steve how better. awkward would that be though if you like if Kay woke up one day and she looked over to see like a ghost sucking your dick isn't very uh good old family guy sketch about that about just like you're just bent over in bed with just your asshole just gaping open and closing open oh. and close open and close <laughs> like a winking eye yeah oh. as you get ghost fucked from behind <laughs> What do you think is the most fun sexual activity to do with a ghost? Well, if you go into film, isn't there... Um, I swear there's an old ghost movie where someone gets taken to the ceiling and humped up there. You think of Scary Movie 2. That might be Scary Movie 2, which oh, isn't yeah. actually a horror movie. <laughs> I just seem to remember that scene from something from a long time ago. I don't mm. know, floating, floating seems quite good. Yeah, I think coming so hard you float is good. On the uh, definitely do not want list is, was it Poltergeist, the film where the Poltergeist possesses a tree and then uh, gets those roots all up in there? All up in there? The vaginal space. No, it's um, Evil Dead. She gets a branch upper. Oh, yeah, tree that's rape. horrible. The splinters. Ain't no one want Seriously, that. Seriously, the splinters. Do you think any ghosts are into, like, kinky stuff like wet and messy or, like, piss play or... Can ghosts piss? Well, I suppose they could be in the toilet while you're pissing, and you would never know. Oh. What if ghosts are into being pissed through? Like, not pissed on, they just love the sensation of you pissing through their spectral form. You've got to consider, if you ever do, like, a piss early in the morning, and you know how, like, you give us sort of condensation where it's hot piss, cold air, maybe it's a ghost for your pissing through. <laughs> what if what? you are into feet, and then you see a ghost's sexy feet, and then you put your feet in the ghost's feet, and then it feels extra... No- because, like, you know, you, the talking of, like, if you walk through a ghost, it, like, feels weird. If you put mm. your dick in a ghost foot... What if you just put your dick yeah. in a ghost? Like, surely that feels weird. I think mm. one of the very good established things here is ghosts are cold. Joe, are your feet always cold? Yeah, they are always cold. That's because Whoa. there's a ghost getting off of them pretty much 24-7, probably. Oh, that's nice. Is it? Well, I'd rather they <laughs> pay me it? some money, but I'm happy mm. someone's getting off to my feet. It means that <laughs> they're, they're hot coins. feet, right? Technically cold feet. <laughs> <laughs> so we've explained the unexplained phenomenon of why women always have cold feet. It's because ghosts are into feet. <laughs> Done. Yeah. Mm, but I like cold hands and cold everything. Is that just like a ghost yeah, cuddle? Yeah, you, again, there's a lot of ghosts doing a lot of things. Big old ghost orgy just right on you, making you the epicenter. <laughs> <laughs> oh god Jacob I believe you have some rankings of the sexiest ghosts oh. I do <gasps> Oh, thanks to our friends at Cosmopolitan Magazine wow. of course it's fucking them oh I mean first it's like things to do naked mm-hmm. and now ghosts that are hot as fuck oh they've got you covered I'm already a little bit upset opening the article they starting out with Casper because isn't he like 14 yeah he's a child oh. yes this is one thing I was going to bring up so just go through a couple of numbers. Number 18 is the girl from the ring. Okay, she's kind of hot. What? And then you have uh, number 11 is Casper. And then number 7 is Casper when he's a boy. Oh. You know, at the very end of the movie where he becomes human. Wait, but... Slimer is 15? Yeah. No. Would you have rated him higher, Joe? <laughs> Can I backpedal to what I assume Jacob's had major issue with? Not only is Casper in twice, not only is he in as a boy and not a ghost, but he's hot at 14. Teen? That's the thing. 
Casper and the girl from the ring, aren't they supposed to be like kind of teenagers? So apparently Samara from the ring is about 12 years old. Oh. Oh, no. Okay, I that's, mean, that's weird. A... I feel weird about saying she's hot now. <laughs> Even more egregious than thinking kids are attractive is Slimer number 15. Yeah, and also I can't believe Slimer is lower down than King Boo. Come on, King Boo is sexy. <laughs> He's hot. He? That oh, big is it, tongue. Is it the tongue. I'd let that tongue lick my pussy. Fuck yeah. Oh no, King Boo's rated higher. I'm, I'm assuming one's the best. Oh, is it? Okay. I'm, I'm assuming because 18 would be... You're fighting for number one place. I think you're okay there. I think... But King Boo is still below the child Casper. Both versions of mm. Casper the Ghost. Yeah. Yeah. Even the cartoon child ghost. I mean, you've seen oh, what God. King Boo can do. You know, he can play your ass like a xylophone with that Hell tongue. yeah. That's <laughs> oh, what's Casper gonna do? Be like, I don't know what that is. Be very friendly. I'm a child. <laughs> One last thing I wanted to say. Oh, go Imagine on. Imagine if Slimer from Ghostbusters sucked your dick. Oh, well, that's messy. Oh, that's kind very of, messy. Kind of hot and messy though, in a hot way, mm, like a sexy. No, way. the hot mess scale is way okay. off the mess end. Just me then. I'd let Slimer eat my pussy. <laughs> You know ass. he'd be enthusiastic as fuck, though. He would gobble <laughs> that shit right it's up. It's his energy, yeah. his vigor. That's honestly, that's the most important oh. thing, enthusiasm. You'd have a sandwich ready for after, yeah. wouldn't Yeah, it's got a big tongue, big mouth. Slimer versus King Boo. King Boo is definitely oh. hotter, but King Boo is more dry than Slimer. Like, Slimer is kind of like <laughs> sleazy. Like, there's something that's a bad boy thing about him where it's kind of like, oh, he's a bit gross. It's kind of like how, like, guys who sleep on a mattress on the floor like apparently have the biggest dicks like this is like slimer is the equivalent of those gross men where it's like he's disgusting i don't want to be in a relationship with him but would i let him eat my pussy yes absolutely i think king boo he's got the shy factor he's too shy to do anything yeah. like that but if i had to like fuck marry kill i would marry king boo fuck slimer and kill casper kill casper again kill the child or bring him back just to we can't kill him again he's a child but that there, that there there, feels like a good place to nip this in the bud. And I'm definitely sure we'll have a fun extra 20 minutes after this to discuss the merits of Slimer versus Boo. But <laughs> thank you all for listening. I personally have really enjoyed this episode and better understanding ghost hunting or paranormal investigation. And I hope you have too. So goodbye from us, and goodbye from Julie, and goodbye to Steve, you grateful, selfish bastard who will not be touching me tonight. We are the Subcultured Board of Tourism, and we apologise for this message. Also, both of them have really big mouths, and I just don't know if either of them can actually close their mouth. So, like, how would they wrap it around? Like, how would their lips wrap around your cock? But just think of how mm. thick Boo's tongue is. That looks like a penetration tool, if anything, That's to me. That's true. That's true.